Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artist from ScottArtist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 65 of Dead Man's Chest. This is the weekend show. Not like weekend show or weekend show. Oh, whatever. You know what I mean. We're ending the week with this show. Yes. There we go. That's better. In the previous minute, we come up with a solution for Disney nixing the bride auction at the Pirates of the Caribbean rides. If we can all muster the courage to move forward and ease our disappointment with knowing that the original ride is immortalized on YouTube for our viewing pleasure, we continue to sail through the 21st century with a new auction for our entertainment. Entertainment purposes only here, folks. I don't want to get in trouble. That's legal made me say that. Up for auction is one hell of a eunuch. Noble, heroic, and an exquisite singing voice. Can I start the bidding at four souls? Anyone? Anyone? Three and a half souls? Perhaps? <laughs> Fishy Minute 65 begins with Jack continuing to barter with Davy Jones, who's intently listening. Did I happen to mention he's in love with a girl? The minute ends with Jack responding to Jones after a slight pause. Yep, I'm good with it. Shall we seal it in blood? I mean, ink? Jones reaches out and grabs Jack's hand and his tentacles wrap around his wrist. Yeah, that's some scary stuff there. That's Jack negotiating with Davy Jones. Because he drops the tragic love bomb on him. Trying to increase his worth through the promise of torment. While appealing to Jones's pain. Yeah, I have that. Um, tries to hit Davy where it hurts most. Talking about love and in his marriage and... <laughs> No. Is that what, is this another eunuch joke? No. He did say he was uh, in love with a woman. Yeah. I found that kind of interesting that he pointed out a woman. Yeah, it was. I I thought about that actually for a long time. A long time? Yeah, really? I did. Long time. Long time. Because <laughs> long I was I was tim? debating. Yeah, long Tim. <laughs> That's a blatant office, office reference there. Michael Scott using the computer animated voice. Miss... I love types. you, Long Tim. I love you, Long Tim. <laughs> Anyways, we're sidelined again. We, we haven't even gotten that far into it. Like, less than five minutes and we've already gone off target with The Office. Anyways, I was thinking about it. I almost forgot what the hell I was saying. I was like, Long Tim? Now, where was that at? But I was really thinking about it because I was like, why did he say that? Yeah. And I was wondering, it's not like he has to point something out. It's not like we're in today's era. It was a given back then, right? That, you know, man, woman. That was yeah. a given, and that's where I kind of went now. And that's probably just because it's there's like seeping of current 
politics and current culture norms and all that kind of stuff that has seeped in that made me really question that and think of it at first. But then I realized as I stepped back going, wait a second, why am I reading so much into this? It's not. It's Jack is basically telling Davy Jones that he was going to get married, right? I mean, what was the quote? It's like, did I mention he's in love with a girl? And so he, if he had said it all in one line, like, did I mention he's in love with a girl? Well, that could have maybe been the same thing. But the thing was, is he says with a girl because that's what Davy Jones had. So basically, he's making the connections. He's in love with a girl. Yeah. Because that's what Davy Jones had. That was what broke his heart. And so I think that's where he was going. He wasn't necessarily calling out that it was a woman. He was just getting into Davy Jones's head, basically saying he was in love just like you. He had a girl just like you. Yeah. And that's what it was. So I was reading too much into it at first and I didn't need to. What's interesting here is that you can clearly see the pain in Jones's eyes. Remembering the story we heard from Tia Dalma about Calypso and Jones. And that's why, again, Jack, I think, threw in the woman thing. It was just part of the story. It was part of him peppering him with all these facts from his past. Yeah. The heartbreak, the tragedy. And it's almost like he's about to cave to Jack's demand. But then he stays strong after he gives it a bit more thought. Yeah. This is one of those like classic hero pitted against villain tropes here. I'm not sure if it actually has a specific name, but we've all seen it before. It's the hero is appealing to the villain for some reason. You know, when they're talking because they're revealing each other's plans or something like that. (laughs) The villain obviously is tormented by a pain in his heart that drove him to evil. You know. Yeah. We've seen it a thousand times. Something that continually weighs on his soul, you know? No pun intended for soul talk, like yesterday. But the error comes from the hero taking it like one step too far. And as he drills it in, makes his final pitch, we think the villain is just about to fall for it, but then bam! Like Emerald seasoning some food here. (laughs) The villain shakes it off or gets to that point in his memory where the bliss turns to hatred. Because he's been thinking about it a little too long. Yeah. He's thinking about, oh, the nice times. They're on the beach. They're strolling. It's a nice sunset. And then all of a sudden, he gets to that point where the bad stuff happened. And now all that happy thoughts have turned to, like, anger. Because that's what he's remembering now. Yeah. And so as all those bad parts of his memory kind of surface up, then it shakes him back to reality. And that's what we happen here. Because it's like, oh, yeah, that's why I want to destroy the world. That's why I want you to die, Mr. Bond. You know, one of these things. (laughs) And that's what happens here. Jones is getting close, remembering the good old days with Calypso. But then he lingers in his thoughts. He gets to the part that drove him mad. And then, boom, anger overshadows his compassion. It's like a Darth Vader thing going on here. (laughs) And then he sticks to the plan. A hundred souls minus Will, so 99 in three days. No more deal. Then he turns it around on Sparrow. Can you live with that? And I'm sitting back saying, Jack, stop the selling. Yeah, always be closing. Okay, that's the rule. But know when to stop and wait for the response. (laughs) You blew the ask, man. You blew it. Now Will has to stay aboard the Flying Dutchman. And he's not going to be happy about that. Oh, no. So is Jack really okay with damning 100 innocent souls to servitude while he roams free? That was my question to you. I already asked it. I'm there. <laughs> I mean, what kind of man is he if that if he really is okay with this? 
Or does he have a plan? That And this gets back to what we were talking about yesterday. Yeah. Okay, not yesterday. This gets back to what we were talking about on... Wednesday. Wednesday. Ah, oh, the week. It's just such a... <laughs> right together. There you go. <laughs> and is Jack really that kind of person? And we've kind of determined that he isn't, but he is. When it comes to himself, I don't know if he's the self-sacrifice kind of guy for that to that point. I don't think Without he's... having some kind of plan in place. Yeah. Yeah. He may think or want people to think he's that self-sacrificing yeah. person. But typically, if he is, he has himself an out. He knows how to get out of it. Right. Here, though, is he a person that's willing to kind of get a hundred souls off his thing? Okay, if, if it's Elizabeth types, for instance, I doubt it. But is he okay with other thieves and rabble-rousers and pirates sending them to Davy Jones? Possibly. Maybe. I, I mean, don't he know. wouldn't have a hard time sending the mutineer crew to Davy Jones, the ones who killed Bootstrap and or sent him to the locker. Yeah. I can't imagine well, he would have a problem with that. Probably not. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think maybe it's like it depends certain on ones. Who it is. And it yeah. also depends on if they deserve it or not. How much time he has left and is he starting to panic now? Yeah, well, that's true. Because definitely he has self-preservation in full force for him. But it still comes down to this is also Will included in the 100. Yeah, but I think that that's not part of it for him. Because, okay, for one thing, I'm not sure which direction he's going to go. In one hand, I really think, yeah, he is okay with it. Because he is a pirate. It's even the name of some of the music in the franchise. <laughs> Says it right there. They're not really known for their up... Well... Uppityness, or what is it? Uh, stand upness, good stand upness. What, what the hell's that phrase? Good standing, stand stands with fist. No. What is what is it with somebody's like good hearted? I don't. What the hell am I trying to say? I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore. Anyways, on the other hand, let's just skip that because I don't know what the hell the phrase was. On the other hand, Jack does have like. What may best be described as this nagging sympathy. And when I say that, it's like, sure, he wants to be a pirate, but that conscience kind of creeps in every now and then for him. Yeah. And he does have some morality to him. We've established that with some other things in the past or his thoughts on slavery. He freed some slaves, that kind of thing in the expanded universe. So he has his limits. And we even talked about that during the wedlocked episode that we, that special bonus episode. Yeah. That he kind of didn't really view it as slavery or selling him into that. It was kind of the difference there. But anyways, yeah. Jack, he's also the type to make a deal no matter the consequences and then deal with the ramifications later. And this is what you were talking about. This gets to your point. Because it's like he can buy a hamburger today and pay tomorrow for it. Yeah. That's his lifestyle. Right. Or since you brought up Andy Griffith yesterday, and we're more about Andy Griffith than Popeye references here. (laughs) Remember that episode with Opie's hobo friend? Yeah. So Andy hires him to do some odd jobs around the house, around the yard, trying to kind of make an example for Opie about doing good and helping this guy. And then the guy would never do the work. He'd just skip out on it. He'd say something like, it's the most perfect day to start any job tomorrow. Yeah. It's the most marvelous day that ever was invented tomorrow or whatever the hell it was. Some kind of phrase like that, right? Something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Or does he say something like, a man, there's nothing a man can't do tomorrow. Okay, some, it, okay, there you go. You get the gist. Everything's always tomorrow with this guy. 
And that's Jack. His motto is tomorrow. But to his credit, things usually work out in his favor. He's kind of even Steven as it works out. But he doesn't quite get ahead. So he is even Steven. Yeah. Because he doesn't get ahead. Not in, But other characters besides the Motley crew, they get ahead. Like Will and Elizabeth kind of thing. But the Motley crew, Gibbs, for instance, and Jack, they don't really get ahead. No. They kind of just break even. Yeah. They're never getting the riches, the treasure, the Aztec gold disappears. They never get any of that. But who was that guy? Who was Hopi's friends? Hobo friend there. Was that Buddy Ebsen? Is that who that was? <laughs> His name was David Brown. No, the real and guy. he was the guy from, yes, Buddy Ebsen. Oh, Ebsen, not Ebsen Salt. Buddy Ebsen, I think so. Ebsen. Beverly Hillbillies guy. Yes. Oh, and you probably know him from Barnaby Jones, Heather, your favorite TV show. I I can't believe you have the entire Barnaby series Jones. on Blu-ray. <laughs> just I don't, gets, I don't hey, have any clue what say, you're talking no, about. It just gets old watching Barnaby Jones every night. I'm going to tell you that right now. You need to cool it with the Barnaby Jones Blu-rays. I have no clue what you're talking about. I don't even know who that it, is. No. What that is. Oh, but you really knew a lot about Buddy Epps and all of a sudden you're naming off his characters and stuff. Oh, I looked it up. Barnaby Jones, starring Buddy Ebsen. As much as I really don't want to discuss the special effects yet, and I do have to throw it a bone right now, though. And what got me thinking about it is talking about Barnaby Jones in your Blu-ray collection. Because seeing Buddy Ebsen in 4K clarity, that reminded me of how spectacular Davy Jones looks in this movie. Yeah. It's no wonder Entertainment Weekly awarded him like the second best realistic CGI character at the time. Oh yeah, he. I mean, even even I know a lot of the with our TV, we have a lot of problems with older movies. Yeah, because they don't stand up to that 4K ultra 4K television. Exactly. But he does. Yeah, he does. Oh no, wait. Let me clarify. We're talking Davy Jones and not Barnaby Jones here, right? Davy Jones. I don't know who Barnaby Jones is. It's okay. Barnaby Jones. You can admit it. We're all friends here. I don't know who Barnaby Jones is. Never even heard of it before. Okay. I mean, we get these incredible close-ups of Jones here. Yeah. A 360-degree look. And it's practically flawless. Mind you, it's dark, but seeing on high definition still works and it holds up. And I, I think I need to, like, pop it into our TV again and really give it that ultra 4K look, though. Because I've been doing a lot of it on the computer. So I yeah. need to put it in again and really look at the character. But from my computer, it's great. All the movements, the textures. I mean, they're a testament to the effects team. They knocked it out of the park. They yeah, really did. they did. But I guess they're not the only ones to knock it out of the park. Because Jack hits a home run, too, when talking with Jones. <laughs> nice transition. You bet that's I have the nice... quote, by the way. Okay, what's the quote? It's the most perfect day to start at any job. Tomorrow. Most marvelous day that was ever invented. Why, there's absolutely nothing a man can't do tomorrow. Exactly. And that's Jack. Yeah. Not so much some of the stuff he does, but it's like, we're talking big picture things for tomorrow for him. Yeah. The debt with Davy Jones, even getting into debt with Davy Jones. It's Yeah, so it's a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But as I was saying with Jack and his ballpark slugging fest and knocking things out of the park, there's another subtle joke in this minute. Did you catch it? You didn't, I bet. It's on par with the eunuch joke. But this one is a favorite cliche across movies and TV shows. Plays, songs, everything. It's a universal joke. It's everywhere. It's ubiquitous, I would say. Which is interesting because that's one of the first genes that I had to work on was ubiquitin. 
when I was in research and development. Really? Gene cloning analysis department. Ubiquitin. <laughs> there you go. Now people know that out there. Anyways, this one is the epitome of cliches and it's probably been around since the institution of marriage was discovered. Yeah. Jack drops a marriage is torture reference here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he tells Jones that keeping them apart would only be half as cruel as actually allowing Will and Elizabeth to get married. Yeah. Does that ever get old? That's all I had to say. Especially a subtle reference like this. It fits Jack's carefree lifestyle. His free as a bird persona. Yeah. But does that joke ever get old, though? The marriage joke? It can't, right? I mean, so much as I don't want to like a cliche, I do. Okay, maybe I like most of them. That's why cliches have this staying power. They work as much as maybe we don't want them to. Exactly. So basically, Jack is just dropping jokes here in these subtle ones. And this is the jokes that I like. I like some of the -the over-the-top ones. Okay, the real blatant ones. But I like the subtle ones, especially in this type of movie. This gets back to the slapstick humor. Him flipping over the... Divide there, the gorge, mm-hmm. the ravine. Yes. Versus this kind of joke. And I like these. But Davy doesn't laugh at any of these jokes. That's right. He, he only laughs laugh. at his own joke about Captain Jack Sparrow. I think we all know the people who laugh at their own jokes and don't laugh at anybody <laughs> else's jokes. So Davy Jones rings true for me. He's a real life persona. So that's what I have for that. I don't know. But do you know what's worse than marriage though? What? And I tread on this lightly. Really bad eggs. <laughs> it's worse than marriage. Unless you have something else before we get to really bad eggs. Nope. You don't have anything? Nope. So yeah, really bad eggs. That's the recurring segment where we highlight our favorite lines over the last two weeks. The last six minutes. The last six episodes. However you want to break it down. <laughs> you can have it any way you choose there. It's like real life order of eggs. They're going to be bad, but you can classify it however you want to. Right? Yes. Really bad eggs. Order up. We're devils and Really bad eggs. Bring up the heart of your home. Yo ho, yo ho. A pirate's life for me. And really bad eggs. What do you have for us today, Heather? I'll take my chance. No, I know. What are you really going to talk about right now? You got to present the line. I'll take my chance. Oh my God. This is going to be like an Abbott and Costello thing. <laughs> okay, what is it? I'll take my chance. I know. What do you got with it? You can't, you can't, you can't pirate word of the week this. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire here. It's going to be like that droid in Return of the Jedi where the hot thing comes down to torture him, but he doesn't get quite low enough, but you still see the steam come out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now break it down why you like it. Don't just drop it. I'm not going to let you half-ass pirate word of the week-ish thing going on here. Well, this phrase makes you kind of think of who is the brave one here? The guy who says, I'll take a chance, or the guy who actually joins the 100 years in servitude? Ooh, that's a good question. Right? Who is more brave? Who is more brave? The guy who takes the servitude or the guy who takes his chances? It's an interesting question because I can see it both ways. Now... It's If you're saying more brave, okay, maybe more brave is different than the who is strong enough to stand with their convictions. And that would clearly be Chaplin, mm-hmm. who's not going to waver and basically not going to barter his soul or sell his soul kind of deal, which is how he perceives this whole situation going. Right. The other guy, I think is taking, I think that the Chaplin is still the brave one. 
as much as you could potentially make a case that this guy is really going to take a chance himself by going with the crew, there's still that he's going to be kind of alive, live-ish. Right. Not a permanent death. And so maybe, and this is like with the human spirit, there's once you have that, there's still hope that you're going to survive or you can get out of it. Right. And that's what maybe that drives that guy, the helmsman. Yeah. To do this. His official title, the scuttled ship helmsman, to actually make that deal. Or it's that's just fear of death. Fear of death, yeah, is really kind of what it is. So Davy Jones is offering that alternative, that antidote to the fear of death. Right. So yeah, it's an interesting question to ponder. Uh-huh. Mine comes from minute 64 when Jack tells Davy Jones, so we've established my proposal is sound in principle. Now we're just haggling over price. And I just really had to choose this line because this is the classic trickster Jack having his shining moment thing here. That's when he makes a 180 from where he was when he was dealing with Jones. Bootstrap basically told him way back in the beginning that you can't escape the Kraken or your debt with Jones. Kind of paraphrasing. Well, he's got his foot in the door now and is cutting a deal with Jones. Yeah. If he can manage to get a stay of execution at this point, who's to say his future is written in blood? It can be changed. Jack can change his future. It can, but I don't think Davy thinks he can do it. In no, days. I'm not saying that Davy thinks that. I'm thinking from Jack, though. Yeah. Jack is the master now of his own domain and destiny. Seinfeld reference. Yeah. And maybe that of the others, too. This is where the idea of a bright light comes through in all these dark minutes. The lanterns, the parrot. Now Jack has grabbed hold of it and is making a comeback. This is Jack's comeback moment. Yeah. An early on comeback moment. This is the Jack we've come to know and love since Curse of the Black Pearl. He's in his element now. This is where he excels. He's the procrastinator that excels at the stress point. Yeah. When he's really stressed out and everything's going on, you're down to the wire. This is where Jack comes in and can make things happen. Now we're seeing that happen. And that's why I like that. So that's it for me. Jack is getting a stay of execution, a second chance. And as far as the minute goes... A marriage is a horrible joke is in there, too. Can't go wrong with that. Maybe it's a lesson for all the kids out there. I mean, how can we refute Disney's knowledge? They're all about families. They know best. (laughs) Families are their business. They should know. Take it from Disney. Marriage is like a ball and chain. No. Are you sure? Yeah. But on that thought, can't we all go now have a happy weekend? Yes. Well, there we go. Are you sure, though? Disney seems to be all about families. They would know, and they put this in the movie. No. Okay, you say so. Guess the old ball and chain says we'll be back on Monday with Minute 66 of Dead Man's Chest. (laughs) Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. And you may not hear from me for a few days. I'm going to be uh, not able to get out of the house. The the dog house over the weekend. You got that right. Shouldn't have said that. Yeah. You know, it's like Jack. I say it, and then I have to try and climb my way out later. Good luck. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to sell my soul to get out of here. Wear that ball and chain, but love don't feel like the ball and chain to me. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? 
The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.